The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley in for Brother Bert Harper again today as he is taking some much deserved time off. I started to say much needed, but uh, knowing Miss Jan, she probably has him doing some honeydews around the house, so he may have been better off to stay and explore <laughs> the Word with us today. Joining me is our good friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. Alex, good afternoon. Hello, my friend. How are you, Jim Stanley? I'm doing well. Uh, before we get into the Bible study today, and we're in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, that's John the 11th chapter, and that's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in case you're a newcomer, want to help you find where that is. Alex, uh, here in North Mississippi, especially in uh, the Tupelo, Lee County, Union County area, uh, Pontotoc County area, we are pretty dependent upon furniture uh, factories for employment. And so last night, uh, everybody in a company got an email that the company was basically closed. Mm. And they told the folks that were, they, this company did everything. They, you know, they built it, they shipped it, they did all of that. And so they told the drivers even to stop delivering and come back to the company. And so it's very dramatic. Now in Tupelo, there are a lot of places letting folks know that jobs are available. And so, but this impacted people in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Oh, yes. Verona, Belden, Mississippi, and Victoriaville, California. And so now, as I was looking at the news and different things throughout the day, now they're talking about the possibility of a railway uh, strike. And so talking about how that could impact the economy. But there are about 2,500 people, and I know companies close all the time, but when one closes this quickly, this immediately, and just tells everybody they're finished um, and lets them know that their layoff from the company is expected to be permanent and all benefits are terminated. So you had folks that went to bed last night with a job and benefits and got up today and don't have one. So I would like our folks uh, to pray for those people. Now, I know there are a lot of people without a job, uh, sometimes by choice, but there there are people that want to work. And these folks at the furniture factories, they're there because they want to work. And so uh, we just you're coming up now, Thanksgiving's this week. Everybody's talking about how much more expensive Thanksgiving is this year as compared to last year. And we haven't even talked, you know, started talking about Christmas that much, you know, just yet. And so this is a really difficult time for those families. So I'd ask our listeners to be in prayer for them. And the reason I wanted to say this is because a lot of those folks are listeners to AFR. And mm. so I, I want them to know we're thinking about them. And I know Amen. there are other places across the country that are also having job trouble. But again, this was a significant company. About 2,500 people uh, went to bed last night, like I said, with jobs and got up this morning and found out they didn't have one. So uh, would you pray for them? I I want to. And Jim, I'm so glad you brought this up because this impacts us. You know, here in the Carolinas, as I understand it, United uh, Furniture and Lane had Mm -hmm. two plants. But also there's a very, very major advertising firm that is just run by Christians. It's a a hundred-year-old company, and I understand that a very, very big segment of their business was this company that has immediately gone out of business. And Mm. like you said, Jim, there's a domino effect. There's there's marketing, there's transportation, there's packaging. It's very sad. And I'm going to pray, but I just want to say this is indicative of why our country so desperately needs a revival. Amen. Because... I mean, you read Judges 5, 8, and it talks about um, Israel as they fell away from God. Uh, There was uh, national defense was compromised. The social stability was compromised. 
uh, we're a nation that that we really need the Lord at this time. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, Jim, and I, I sincerely thank you for bringing this up because this hits close to home in my neck of the woods as well. But let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the God of all comfort, and Lord, that you you know uh, what is going on in the world, and you care. And Lord, the, the fears and the cries of every heart matter to you. And so, dear Jesus, we lift up there in Mississippi all of the several thousand employees impacted by the, these factory closings, this company, uh, after so many years going out of business in the furniture industry. And then there are truckers and uh, railway transportation and packaging and just so many things. And here in my home state, uh, Lord, I've got friends that worked in the furniture industry, and they are directly impacted today by these these terminations. So, Father, help people, and Lord, help our nation, and please have mercy, and please move that we would first and foremost be a nation that turns to Christ for salvation and forgiveness. But, Father God, would you, in your power and wisdom, would you give us wise leaders, godly leaders, please restore our nation's economy. Help us that people could work their jobs, put food on the table, and ultimately uh, praise your name and just raise their families in the ways of God. So, Lord, at this Thanksgiving time, we are grateful. Lord, we have so much for which to be thankful. And we know, Lord, you are our source. But minister to these people that are just kind of blindsided by all these these layoffs and help. And, Lord, out of out of our struggles, bring something good, and bring glory to your name, and we, we ask it in Christ's name and for your for your kingdom and for your purposes, we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, um, as we were <laughs> talking about that and as you were praying, it made me think about the fact that Jesus was truly and properly God and yet truly and properly man. And Jesus was intimate with people. He loved people. He cared about his friends. He cared about his disciples. And we see that clearly here in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, don't we? Well, we really do. This is a famous, famous uh, vignette in the life of our Lord. John 11 says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Uh, Now, I love, Jim, how the Gospels clarify People, places, details. It was that Mary which Mm. anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. You know, it's it's interesting, verse 3 i got to remind everybody, Matthew 6, 8 says, God knows what we need even before we ask. But the sisters go and say, Lord, they don't just say Lazarus is sick, but it's like, Lord, remember, you love him. Mm. Um, It's almost like uh, just a, a little urgency. But you know what, Jim, is such a blessing about our Heavenly Father? We don't have to twist God's arm to try to get him to bless us. Um. He loves us more than we could even comprehend. But they they put that in, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, verse 4, Jim, tells me that not only does Jesus have the power to raise from the dead, the power to heal, but he already knows that this is not a problem but an opportunity, an opportunity for the glory of God to be manifested. Amen. And one of the things there in verse 4 that that really kind of stands out it says, when Jesus heard that, you know, it, it's the same type that uh, that we see back up in verse 2, where it was that Mary who anointed the Lord. And so here in verse 4, it says, when Jesus heard that, when he heard the message from the sisters, Lord, behold, whom he, behold he whom you love is sick, Jesus had the answer. And like you said, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And then Mm -hmm. verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister 
and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now remember, in verse 10, or pardon me, in chapter 10, we had Pharisees looking to stone Jesus. So he left that area, right? And he, and he had gone back. And so now he's telling his disciples, okay, let's go to Judea again. And, <laughs> and we'll see that warning from the disciples in a minute. But, all right, Alex, like you said, Jesus loved, as the Scripture says, loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so he heard that he was sick. But he had already told him the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So Jesus was not panicked. There was not yeah. a crisis there for Jesus. In fact, he heard he was sick. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, Jim, i got to say something. Isn't this amazing? Because, listen, there, there's a phrase that I've heard for much of my life, the, the tyranny of the urgent. Mm. And, you know, to we, we human beings, everything is urgent. And uh, every everything going on in our life, we think is an emergency and the priority. Imagine going to the Lord and say, and they say, "Look, our brother is sick. You know, he might die. Come on, come on, come on." And Jesus says, "You know what? This is such a dire emergency. I better wait two days before we get going." Right. And then the disciples in verse eight, you know, Judea, his disciples said, "Master." Uh, Lord, we know you're omniscient and know all things, but let us remind you of something. The Jews recently tried to stone us there, and we're going back? See, Jesus is Lord over time and circumstance. Mm. He's Lord over geography. He will not be uh, harmed or interrupted by the schemes of man. And so, yeah, we're going back to Judea, those that want to throw stones and execute us. They're not going to do it. And uh, death will succumb to the one who is the Lord of life. It's beautiful. Folks, we're in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. We're at verse 9, and we'll come back to that as Exploring the Word continues with Dr. Alex McFarlane and Jim Stanley straight ahead on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Lynn Malerba, Treasurer of the United States. She oversees the U.S. Mint and Fort Knox and advises the Secretary of the Treasury. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of sound advice. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Lynn Malerba in her role at the U.S. Treasury. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, Go to pausetopray.org. You wouldn't ask your auto mechanic to do your brain surgery, but Dr. Tony Evans says many of us seek help every day from people who don't know what they're talking about, even when the ultimate authority lives right inside us. He'll explain as we spend two minutes with Tony. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I want to be the sum total of your knowledge base. And he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, that this knowledge base involves all knowledge and all wisdom. But because even Christians do not believe that the allness of God, Alpha and Omega, and all the letters in between are covered by him, they run to human wisdom to address life's issues. They go to what their friends think, what the media thinks, what the institutions think. And we go to the world to get our knowledge, sprinkle a little Jesus on it in church, and somehow thinks that sanctifies the human wisdom that we have bought into that is destroying lives, families, nations, and civilizations. Because when you abdicate 
the knowledge of God for the knowledge of man, you will wind up where man will take you. That's how they wind up with abortion. That's how they wind up with same-sex marriage. That's how they wind up with racism. That's how they wind up with all of the other isms that will become wasms when Jesus comes back. And when that day comes, are you 100% sure you'll have an eternal home in heaven? Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and follow the Jesus link. He'll explain how you can have that absolute assurance and describe the amazing difference it'll make in your life. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We are in John chapter 11 in the New Testament Gospel of John. The word gospel means good news. And in John 11, we're going to look at the details of one of Jesus's, I would say, most famous miracles, uh, the raising of Lazarus. And we're going to see that it still is good news. This is Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, along with Jim Stanley. We're so glad you're listening. Very honored that you're listening. And um, I'm going to give the number because later on in the program, we'll take phone calls and we'll do our best to answer any and all Bible questions. And if you want to call in, the number is 888-589-8840, Jim, verse 9 is interesting to me because, you know, they say, here's the problem, Jesus. You know, Lazarus is sick, and two days have gone by. Uh, We're going back to Judea where we almost were stoned. Now, in verse 9, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Now, this is kind of an interesting question, um, and I've got to believe probably the disciples didn't immediately grasp what was what he was saying. Uh, but, Jim, I think some of the takeaway is that... Um, we we can't control time and circumstance, mm. but at the same time, we don't need to be overly shaken up by time and circumstance because we serve the God who is above, within, and beyond time and circumstance. I mean, but uh, verse 9 is an interesting response that uh, I think says a lot about God's sovereign power over this situation. It does, and I think it's also telling that uh, the reason that one walks in the night and stumbles is because the light is not in him. And, you know, mm-hmm. it won't be long before we know that Jesus is the light of the world. And so in him is that that light. But here he's talking about the physical constraints of day and night. And, you know, they had torches and they could have walked if they needed to. But it was a very real thing that if, you know, generally, if you want to find out if the furniture has been rearranged, walk through the house without the light on, you know, at night. And your little toe and big toe will let you know that something's changed. And so (laughs) these are real physical limitations. But then after this, in verse 11, these things he said, and after that said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. In verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, Alex, you know, just a few verses before, he says in verse 4, the sickness is not unto death. But then down here in verse 14, he says, Lazarus is dead. But that's not a contradictory scripture, is it? No, because he meant that he's not going to permanently stay dead, mm. as in um, Hebrews nine twenty seven. it is appointed unto a man once to die. He knew what he was going to do, and it's just going to be so beautiful before this chapter is out when 
Uh, Martha says, look, I know there's going to be a resurrection day and a final day, and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and and we'll get to that, but uh, John 11, he goes on and he talks about a man walking in the night and not stumbling because he's got the light of the world, then a Mm -hmm. man who does stumble because there's no light in him. Look, when you... Uh, and, and by the way, there's so much that could be said about this, not just light and dark, but a fallen world and people that are lost versus people that are saved. But he says, our friend Lazarus is sleeping, but I go that I may wake him. And sleep is very much a euphemism for, for being dead, because, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote of those Christians that are in unconfessed sin, for this reason, many sleep. In other words, they've already died. Jesus says, I'm going to wake him up out of sleep. I am so glad the day is coming when God's voice will go to the dead of all the ages, and he'll say, wake up, and the dead in Christ will rise first, you know, and and God has that power to do that. So the disciples, still worried about getting stoned, the (laughs) disciples say, Lord, if he sleeps, you know, good for him. He do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, and this is one of those things where just very straightforward, lay the cards on the table, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Wow. You know, There's a lot we could preach out of verse 15, Jim. All right, bereavement is a sad thing. The death of a beloved family member is never easy, right? Unemployment is never easy. Um, Relationship challenges. There are 10,000 things in life that are going to stretch us. But yet, Jesus is saying he's glad that he wasn't there at his bedside. Why? Not that we would suffer. God doesn't want us to weep and hurt, although we do. But all of these things, Jesus says it was ultimately good so that you may believe, Mm. and nevertheless we're going to go. Jim, isn't it just true, the hardness of life, the knocks and the bruises and the heartbreaks and the tears, if it brings us to the Lord Jesus who saves us and restores us, ultimately can't we look back and even thank God for the challenges. Oh, absolutely. It, it's one of those things that, you know, we learn a lot through frustrations. Uh, we learn a lot through resistance. You know, you become a better swimmer because the water, you, you swim against the current sometimes. It helps you become stronger. Um, and I, I absolutely agree with that. Alex, in verse 16, here's our friend Thomas. And a little bit later, you know, we're going to, he becomes better known perhaps in our world as doubting Thomas. But right yeah. now in verse 16, it says, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now, they weren't talking mm. about dying with Lazarus. They're still on this stoning deal, you know. And so here's Thomas, who he's saying, Okay, guys, we're all in this together. So let's go with Jesus that we may die with him. You know, because, Mm -hmm. uh, again, they're talking about we just left there because they were looking to stone us, and now we're going back, and now we're going back with kind of a a funeral processional at this point because we're going to visit someone who you tell us is already dead. And basically, why bother? But if you're going, we're going with you. Well, you... This is fascinating. Thomas, which is called Didymus, verse 16, D-I-D-Y-M-U-S. This is one of those Bible names that to our ears probably sounds a little bit unusual. And the word Didymus means twin. Um, Jim, have you read about that, that um, Thomas Didymus, that we often call Doubting Thomas, his the Didymus part of his name means twin. Mm-hmm. Now, two things to say. Church history says that he had a twin sister. Now, we don't know. This is not in the Bible. Might be true, might not. Um, We probably won't know till we get to heaven. Maybe he had a 
what what do they call that fraternal twin, a twin sister? Mm-hmm. But other church leaders said, okay, it might mean that the fears and the doubts he had were very much like anybody else's, and even maybe double. So I think it's interesting that we've got a very key character in the life of our Lord who understood doubts. Now, you know, after the resurrection, he's going to say, Lord, I believe, my Lord and my God. But I, I don't know, I guess it's just the mercy and the gentleness of God that somebody with some struggles and doubts is in the Bible. Maybe you have some struggles and doubts too, my friend. Listen, we know the Bible is the Word of God, and it's ironclad, a thousand percent true. Every word of the Bible is God's revealed, eternal, infallible truth. But even when people go through struggles, and uh, as they sometimes say, the dark night of the soul, God's not mad at you. God's not up in heaven, you know, ready to cut you off. He's merciful and patient, even with those who have struggles and doubts, But uh, like Thomas. But they go to the grave. Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. Many of the Jews came to Mary and Martha to comfort them. So, you know, there's been a death in the family. Mm-hmm. The community gathers around. Martha when she heard Jesus was coming, went out and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Now, uh, Martha, Jim, isn't this the one who we read about was cumbered about with much serving? Right, and that's that's what I was going to say, is yeah. Martha is, she kind of takes care of the business end of stuff. She's bold. She is, and so, and and that proves out here in verse 21, because it was one of those things that it was a challenge almost to Jesus. You know, Lord, if you hadn't tarried, if you had just come on when I asked you to, my brother would not have died. But Alex, you're absolutely right. This is the same Mary and Martha. Um, and remember what Jesus said, where like you talked about, Martha, thou art troubled about many things. Mary has chosen the better part, and mm-hmm. that won't be taken from her. And That's so, in Luke 10. Yeah, and so Martha, like I said, she's kind of, let's get to the business, rubber meets the road, what's going on here, and where have you been? Mm. You know, in a way, okay, I, I'm, I've always wondered about this, and this is one of those passages, and you know, I wish I had time to unpack several of these, but Martha comes out, she says, Lord, verse 21 of John 11, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. Lord, you could have intervened, but you weren't here. But verse 22, mm. her attitude is tempered a little bit. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. In other words, Lord, if there's one little bit of miracle that I could ask for, I'm about to ask for it. And Jesus just steps in, verse 23, Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Now, here's where her faith needs a little clarification. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, Job 19, one of the oldest parts of the Old Testament, and this is amazing, and folks, this is the supernatural revelation of God, because the book of Job, way before the Gospels, way before the empty tomb, and yet Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he will stand on the earth at the last day, and though worms destroy my body, in my flesh I will see God. Job 19.26. I mean, amazing. Jim, there is a, a, a Bible college library of truth that could be written out of that Job Amen. passage, and maybe Martha knew that. She says, Lord, I know my brother's going to rise again because there's going to be a resurrection day, the last day. And now Jesus says these amazing words. And Jim, if you've got 25 and 26, because this is some, some hallelujah ground we're on right now, would you read that? I'll be happy to. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, just as Jesus asked that question of Martha, he asked that question of us, too, doesn't he? He does. He does. Uh, Do you believe this? I mean, folks, this is just so wonderful. 
that Jesus proved he is the Savior. He rose from the dead, and he says, if you'll put your trust in me, I'll wash all your sins away. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. There's going to be a reunion. Your beloved parents and grandparents and those you cared about that have gone on, if they were believers and if you'll be a believer, you'll see them again. So it goes on here, and this is just so amazing. He says, I am the resurrection and mm. the life. And there's, it's not so much what we are asking God to do, but the person of God himself. Um, and I think a, a secret to a joyful, thriving life is to not think so much about the things we want to get from God, but let's think about the Lord himself. She's saying, look, we need a miracle. We need a resurrection here. Well, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And they go, and they say, where have you laid him? And they say, well, come and see. Now, verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, a two-word verse, Jesus wept. Now, I, I, I want to get to verse 43, Jim. But may we camp out for a moment on 35? Absolutely. Was Jesus weeping out of grief for a deceased person that he'd never see again? I don't think it was that. Um, Why do you think Jesus wept, Jim? I think it was because partially because of the disbelief, because he, even though she had confessed that she believed him, there were those around her, and they were, you know— Almost any time someone died, there was a professional group of mourners who would come and help the family mourn, if you will. And mm-hmm. so I think it was just a simple lack of belief. And then also he saw that there was this death now. But I think because of his, because of his omniscience and that he saw forward to when people would reject him, they would reject that simple answer, do you believe and he yeah. sees where people said no. And he saw the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of man. And so it, I, I really think that was part of it, too. Uh, I, I completely agree. You know, Hebrews 4.15 says that our high priest, Jesus, is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus cares. He really, really does. And uh, a, a world that refuses to believe, I know that's got to grieve the heart of God. But, folks, you be one that does believe. Take God at his word, put your faith in Christ, and be saved. Amen. 888-589-8840. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice, and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day. Banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. This is Frank Gaffney, host of Securing America, a program dedicated to protecting the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to the glory of God and his kingdom. Each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, we provide insights and recommendations about the most important challenges facing our nation from her most thoughtful experts and patriots. Join me to learn how you can help in securing America right here at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. It's true for the typical family, switching to MediShare saves about 500 bucks a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate when compared to health insurance, double. There are 400,000 members now. They've shared over 4 billion in medical bills. So yeah, they can handle your bills too. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, before November 30th, they will waive your new member fee. So you're going to save even more. MediShare is the gold standard in healthcare sharing and joining right now makes a lot of sense. Again, pay no new member fees if you join now and start enjoying great savings and a great way to handle your health care. Call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE, 833-44-BIBLE. Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. 
My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In the burning bush encounter, Scripture records that it began as Moses kept Jethro's flock. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, he called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Notice God didn't speak to Moses until he gave full attention to what God was trying to show him. Diligent attention to daily duty is necessary. We must be careful, however, not to allow duty to become an idol. Are our hearts still sensitive to God? Can God still get our attention? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is alive. Welcome back. Boy, you want to talk about a song that's fitting as the family of Lazarus has gathered because he's died, and here Jesus is coming to town to help and, and to commiserate with them and then also to bring Lazarus back. And, uh, you know, Alex, that, that's one of those things. Jesus really is enough, isn't he? He really, really is. Jesus is enough. And uh, there was an old song that says... Um, just trust Jesus, and you'll see that he's everything he promised to be. He really is. And the number, 888 we'd love your Bible questions. And uh, we said it, but I want to say it again, that we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, each and every one of you. And folks, please, we are very, very grateful for you. Amen. All right, let's go to the phone, shall we? Let's do it. All right. We're going to talk to Gary calling from Florida. Gary, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Hello. Yes. I had a comment on uh, Jesus wept. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think Jesus also wept for two other reasons. That he, One, he was going to be separated from Lazarus for the rest of his time on earth. And also it reminded him of what it was going to be like uh, when he's separated from God the Father when he's on the cross. Mm. Mm. That's good points, uh, Gary. We sure appreciate that. Thank you for your phone call this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Where to next, Jim? All right, we're going to go to Pennsylvania by way of the telephone and talk to R.J. R.J., good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I have discovered... Um, exploring the Word 10 years ago in this new year. Praise God for that. Uh, I um, heard uh, Alex talking about, on yesterday's program, about Lucifer the enemy conning uh, a third of the angels when God tossed him from heaven, having pride in his heart, saying he's going to put his throne over top of God's, and God says, uh, no, 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 I don't think so, and he was tossed. Now, a third of the angels was at 30, 300, 3, and happy Thanksgiving, guys. Well, thank you, R.J. <laughs> Alex, um, do we have a definitive number? Uh, I, I don't think we have a definitive number, but Revelation twelve four is a verse where it talks about the dragon, which is a reference to Satan, Lucifer, Satan, the dragon swept a third of the stars from the sky and hurled them to earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth. Now, the the Bible refers to the angels uh, as stars. The stars of the morning sang for joy at the moment of creation. So there are these angels that are sometimes called stars. One third of the stars were flung from the sky. Uh, by the dragon. And and I realize, Jim, this is very pictorial language, but the woman was about to give birth. That's Israel. The man-child to be delivered of the woman. That's Jesus, the, the baby Jesus. And at least 
you know, uh, several times during the life of Christ, Satan tried to have Jesus killed prematurely. But the um, Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament is uh, much about the fall of Lucifer. Revelation 12:4 is about the third of the stars, the angels that fell now here in the air around earth, the demons. How many it was, Jim, we don't actually know, but it was a significant number, many believe. Billy Graham does. All right. Thank you uh, there. Let's talk to Lynn now from Alabama. Lynn, good afternoon. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? We're blessed. What's your question? Great. My question is, if if the Lord, and I know in his word that he says that he wouldn't change his law one jot or one tittle, but if that's the case, why did the Catholic Church change the fourth commandment, the only commandment that starts with the word remember? Well, Lynn, I, I, you know, that's not just the Catholic Church. Uh, the, the Protestant Church has followed along with that as well. And, Alex, we talk about that as being the celebration of the resurrection, don't we? Yeah, we, we really do. I want to say that the Sabbath is not Sunday. The Sabbath is still Saturday. But we don't have to keep a Saturday Sabbath as part of our demonstration of faith in God. Now, the early church, and this is from... Uh, by the way, there are a number of historians that would document this, that the early church worshipped on Sunday morning at daybreak, because that was Resurrection Day, since within four to six weeks after the cross. And the, the, there's no church, Catholic or Protestant, mm-hmm. that, that, quote, changed the Sabbath. The Sabbath is still the Sabbath, but... Hebrews 4, speaking of being in a relationship with Jesus, says that we have, quote, entered into his rest. So we are in a perpetual Sabbath uh, by virtue of being in a relationship with Christ. But Sunday is not the Sabbath. We're not saying that. And I know, like gospel songs, like Church in the Wildwood, talk about a, a Sabbath morning. But we worship on Sunday because that was Resurrection Day, and that goes all the way back to the early church. All right. Hey, Lynn, thank you for your call this afternoon. Hope you have a really good Thanksgiving. Janice from Mississippi. Janice, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, I want to know, uh, David played a harp. I wonder what what is a harp? Well, now, okay, so a harp, as we think of it today and throughout history, is almost like a stand-up piano, if you will but it's just the strings that you play, you know, with your fingers. Now, the Scripture says he, he played a stringed instrument, uh, and a lot of people believe it was a harp, but um, it, it's not necessarily so. Alex, uh, you know, it, I think they described it more as a lute, which is a, a really small harp. Is that right? Almost like a—Jim, um, do you remember a kind of an instrument called a zither or a— um, there was a— let me think. This company named Oscar Schmidt made one. It was kind of a a thing that you could press down and make like chords. But uh, the the word that's translated harp, you know, it says that King Saul had an evil spirit, and David played this harp. And the the Hebrew word is k i n n o r. That's really kind of like a a lyre, l y r e, or a zither. If anybody remembers an instrument called a zither, but it was a small stringed instrument that could have been held, and it was musical enough that it calmed down Saul from his anger and rage. Uh, Jim, I want to say this. I love the fact that the Bible talks about praising God with stringed instruments. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up hearing piano and organ, but um, sometimes in our worship, we we break out the guitar too. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things if you've, ever heard someone play a harp and uh, almost like a master of the harp if you will it's an incredible piece of music it's an incredible instrument but i have to tell you brother there are so many strings on that thing 
I just wind up tied up in it, you know, because <laughs> I'm not I'm not that guy. But uh, so yeah, we we definitely enjoy the stringed instruments. Well, let's talk to Vernon from Ohio this afternoon. Vernon, welcome to Exploring the Word. How you doing, y'all? You doing pretty good. Good, good to have you. Hey, quick, quick you too. Uh, second time. Uh, quick question. Just got done reading the uh, Book of Psalms, and there's a word in there, and I'm not for sure what it means. I'm probably gonna say it wrong. It's called Sheila. Yeah, Sheila. Sailor. Sheila, I think. Yeah, Sailor. Yeah. That's it. I just. Um, uh, what is it? What does it mean? Nobody really, really definitively knows. You know. I mean, it's one of those words that's in there. Um, it might be a word that means, hey, think about this, or it's almost like amen. You know, it, sometimes uh, there, there's a thing called, you know, a vocalized pause. Christians will be talking, somebody will say something, and we'll to affirm or say, yeah, right on, uh, you got it, amen. Mm. And Jim, the word Selah may have been one of those kind of single word, uh, meditate on this, I agree with you. But in the commentaries that I've searched out for that word that is, you know, sprinkled throughout the book of Psalms, on a definitive level, they don't really know, do they? No, and I agree with you. You know, most of the study that I've seen, it, it's like, stop, think about that. Stop, go back and reread what you just, what you're agreeing to. But yeah, it, it is one of those things where it's almost like an amen or a hallelujah. And so um, I think that's really neat. And thank you. For I your got a good trivia question. Question, Vernon. Go ahead, Alex. Other than the Psalms, where is that word found? And the answer is seventy-one times in the Book of Psalms, three times in the Book of Habakkuk. Uh, to my knowledge, Habakkuk is the only other book of the Bible where you'll see the word Selah. Selah. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to Ben calling from Ohio. Ben, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I really respect you guys in that you uh, really help people understand God's Word um, a lot of the time, and you're very loving and caring for many people, but you are 100% wrong about the Sabbath. Uh, It is exactly what we should establish to show obedience of our faith. Appreciate your viewpoint on that. Um, I mean, I really do, because we have some Seventh-day Adventists that listen to us. We have uh, folks that come from a, a Jewish background, and so we're not, that's not something we debate. Alex even said the Sabbath remains on Saturday, but that we celebrate it on Sunday because we're part of the, the New Testament church, if you will. Alex, I don't want yeah, to put words and, in your mouth. Right, right. And I want to say, I I. Thank you profoundly. I, th- I thank you for listening to the show. And, you know, we, we teach what we teach with conviction, but with humility. And please don't think that we ever presume to know it all or anything like that. But um, Colossians 2.14 says that Jesus nailed the law to the cross. And part of um, the keeping of the Sabbath was part of the Mosaic Code. And, you know, Jim, uh, Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, this is amazing. In Luke, Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, in Christ, we are, you know, the law has been fulfilled. Colossians 2.14, he nailed it to the cross. So, um, you know, I I don't want to um, be critical or debate on that, but the early church, part of their worship on Sunday mornings was because that was when the, the tomb was found empty, but it, it also signified the fact that they were no longer under under the law. Now, Jim, I do think it's good to take a day of rest. Now, for a, for a preacher like me, Sunday is not really a day of rest. Right. In fact, Angie, my wife, repeatedly almost forces me to take a day off, you know, and I, I think in the spirit of good stewardship, a Sabbath is is good. Now, I don't mean to stir up controversy, but look, in Christ, under the new covenant, free in Jesus, maybe your sab- Sabbath is Thursday, mm-hmm. the day that 
because, you know, sometimes you don't get to take the day off that you want, but you take the day off that you can just carve out a little rest day, you know? Well, and two, Alex, I, I want to point out that the way we celebrate or don't celebrate the Sabbath is not a condition of our salvation. Amen. And yeah. so that's one of the things, you know, when, when we talk about this program, when we talk about the questions that we take and the questions that we answer, we try to, to kind of keep it in, in between the foul lines, if you will, um, where we want to be at the center of, of where pretty much everyone lives. And again, that's not to condescend to anyone that wants to worship on Saturday. Man, do that. I mean, if, if that's God. the way you feel like the Lord wants you to worship, Brother, sister, have at it. But it's one of those things that it it's like the old and new earth debate that goes on. It's like the flat earth and the round earth debate that goes on. None of those things are conditional to our salvation. Alex, what is conditional to our salvation? Well, the probably the most simple, shortest verse in the New Testament is 1 John 5, 1, that says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is born of God, 1 John 5, 1. Now, on the flip side, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you're not born of God. Now, we can elaborate, but there's repentance, Luke mm. 13, 3. You must repent. That means to turn from sin to Christ. And then you you believe and you, you call out to God because, Jim, I want to say this, salvation is very much a transactional relationship. We have to admit that we're a sinner, and then we have to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God who he claimed to be, because back there in John eleven twenty six, we have to believe in him. And you then call out, establish a relationship. And folks, if you've never done this, Jesus has promised to hear you, and if you would say, maybe you say it within your heart, maybe you're saying it out loud verbally, Lord, I believe. And when you died on that cross, Lord, I am accepting that you did that for me. So dear Jesus, please wash my sins away. Save my soul. Make me your child. And if you call out to Jesus today and you believe in him, he'll save you. He'll do it right now this minute, won't he, Jim? He sure will. And folks, if, if you need to talk to someone about Jesus, let me encourage you to call 1-800-NEED-HIM. That's 1-800-NEED-HIM. They're a trusted partner. And they have someone that wants to tell you about Jesus. Thanks for listening this afternoon. On behalf of Dr. Alex McFarland, I'm Jim Stanley. And we want to wish you a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.